This is Weekly Dose of Wellness, brought to you by Memorial Care Health System. Here's Deborah Howell. Well, hello and welcome to the show. You are listening to Weekly Dose of Wellness, brought to you by Memorial Care Health System. I'm Deborah Howell, and today's guest is Dr. Barry Steinmetz, the Associate Medical Director at the Pediatric Gastroenterology, Hepatology, and Nutrition Center at Miller Children's and Women's Hospital in Long Beach. Today, our topic will be pediatric gastrointestinal conditions, what you need to know to keep your kids healthy, and that's a good, good thing. Welcome, Dr. Steinmetz. Morning. Well, let's jump right in. What are some of the most common signs and symptoms of gastrointestinal conditions that parents should be aware of? Well, some of the things that that parents should be concerned about is uh, what is really constipation. It is very common in children. Mm -hmm. Uh, Constipation, though, however, should be defined as an alteration of regular bowel patterns that actually puts distress on the child. Most people think that there's a defined limit, and it's actually very important that every kid's a little bit different, but it's a change in the habits that's actually important or an actual distress that the stooling actually causes the child. Um, Other things would include weight failure or weight gain failure, where children who may be always small and growing small is not something to be concerned, but Mm -hmm. if they start to plateau and change in the growth percentiles, that'd be something to be concerned. Okay. That's two. Constipation. What about Crohn's? Crohn's disease is, is a somewhat, it's becoming more common, and it's somewhat of a, uh, of a common disease in, in, in pediatrics, and we do see a lot of it at Miller's Children's Hospital. Uh, it is something that you should be aware of. Usually it, it runs within the families. Um, it doesn't always have to, but it usually presents with weight loss, uh, diarrhea, and blood in the stool. Okay. All right. So how prevalent are these pediatric gastrointestinal conditions in children today? Well, they can be very, uh, very common. Gastroesophageal reflux disease in infants is exceedingly common. Uh, Constipation, actually, if you look across the board in pediatric, uh, general pediatric offices, one-third of them will be due to either constipation or abdominal pain. Mm -hmm. So abdominal pain in children, constipation, reflux, exceedingly common. Wow. So are pediatric gastrointestinal conditions hereditary or environmental? Or? Well, it can be a mixture of both, actually. Uh, the predisposition for many of the disorders can be genetic. Uh, for example, uh, like we mentioned, Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis can run within families. Uh, other things such as celiac disease tends to run within families. Mm-hmm. Uh, things like cystic fibrosis and the resultant uh, problems of the pancreas that tends to be directly genetic, but uh, things that definitely have a genetic predisposition. Okay. So what are the most common ones that you see, these conditions? Well, <clears throat> some of the things you already mentioned, um, inflammatory bowel disease, uh, which consists of Crohn's and also colitis, uh, things like gastroesophageal reflux disease, chronic abdominal pain, and uh, fatty liver disease, which is occurring more because of the obesity epidemic that we're seeing in this country. Maybe you can describe the conditions of fatty liver to us. Well, what it is, is um, it's a child that develops what's called a hepatitis. Hepatitis to a physician does not necessarily mean alcohol use, drug use, or a viral infection. It means irritated liver. Mm-hmm. And it's when you have an irritated liver in a child who tends to be overweight, and there's no other reason for it. The problem is that due to the excessive weight, fat settles in the liver. And when it settles in the liver, it irritates the liver. Mm-hmm. Now, this may not be a problem in a year or two years of having the problem, but after 20 years of chronic irritation in the liver, 
you could end up with scarring of the liver just the same as if you had hepatitis B or hepatitis C. It's, it's irritation of the liver day in, day out that causes a problem. My goodness. And then what kind of uh, symptoms would you have at that point? problem is you don't have any symptoms usually. You have children who are obese and you have children that are functioning in their daily life. They're playing. They're doing everything like you normally would see. Uh, so it's usually something that's found on annual screenings done by the pediatrician. Okay. All right. You mentioned infantile GERD. Maybe you could explain a little bit more about those conditions. Sure. Infantile GERD or gastroesophageal reflux disease um, is a process of where food comes backwards from the stomach uh, up into the esophagus in a, in a reflux fashion, uh, and it becomes a disease when it causes a problem. Many parents out there know that their children can spit up and they can uh, wet burp or they can vomit slightly after meals, and they're mm-hmm. happy child, uh, children. They grow and they thrive, and there's no real issues from it. That's not infantile reflux disease. Infantile reflux disease is when they have a problem due to that spit up and that backflow. Either they're irritable, they don't want to eat well because it hurts them when it comes back up, they're not Mm -hmm. gaining weight, Uh, have problems with chronic cough or breathing issues. That's when it becomes a disease and it definitely needs to be evaluated and treated. So at what point do you take your child in? Well, I would say the very first thing that you do is is you speak with your pediatrician. Mm -hmm. You ask your pediatrician, is this something I should be concerned with? Uh, If they say, well, you know, it sounds like you might have a little bit of uh, infantile reflux, we'll try this medication, and an empiric trial fails. Mm -hmm. Um, Those would be things to make you say, well, I think we need to go next step. Right. Yeah, and the same thing I'm thinking, you know, okay, your kid's constipated, but when do you take him to the doctor in that case? Well, that's a, that's a good question. Well, once again, as uh, stating that the uh, de- definition of constipation really should be an alteration of a normal ha- bowel habit for the patient or for the child, mm-hmm. uh, and then if it causes undue distress. So constipation can come and go based on diet, based on water intake, based on activity level, and that if it's intermittent once in a while, it may not be something that you need to be concerned about. Mm-hmm. But if it's a day in, day out, over weeks and months, that's definitely something that should be evaluated and helped with in your pediatric you know, GI community or at your pediatrician. It's kind of tricky because sometimes your kids don't want to tell you stuff. Absolutely. And once they're past the age of you helping them in, in, the, in the restroom, and it makes it far more difficult. But it's, it's something you, you should check with every once in a while with your, with, your, with your children and say, is everything going well? Are you eating fine? Because sometimes in this busy life and our bu- you know, running around schedule, it's very yeah. difficult, but should be asked. So true. And I guess all, a lot of this can be controlled by diet. So maybe you can give us a sort of a boilerplate of what would be a fantastic diet for your kid. Sure, um, especially for uh, being on the, uh, talking about constipation, um, things like good adequate water intake, liquid intake is, is very key, especially with this past couple of months in California, Southern California, where we've had like heat, which has been unbelievable. Yeah. Um, you want to make sure that they take adequate water intake. That's the first thing. And what is the adequate second, water for a child? Well, it depends on the age, but I would say that you want to get at least three eight-ounce glasses of of, of water or liquid in, in the child on, uh, per day, and maybe even more if it's, if it's exceedingly hot outside. And that's tough because they're at school for a big part of the day. It is very tough, and some kids really like water and some kids don't. Yeah. So you kind of <laughs> got to see how your child is and just encourage them uh, to, to take this.
Yeah. Okay. And you know what? That doesn't count. You know, you're not saying, okay, I had three Cokes, so there's my three, you know, eight ounces of liquid. No, no, that doesn't quite qualify. Actually, uh, sodas and, and non-nutritive type liquids uh, are really, really uh, one of the problems of, of the childhood obesity uh, epidemic that we're seeing. Uh, and I recommend to my overweight patients that uh, if you enjoy your food and you enjoy eating, and I certainly do, mm-hmm. um, you should you should not drink your calories away. You should not have right. those things like sodas and Arizona right. iced teas or any of those sugary drinks. Now, is mineral water significantly better for you than just regular tap water? Um, well, it depends uh, what you're considering mineral water. A, a lot of people say mineral water and they talk about bottled water that that actually is is created by reverse osmosis which has very minimal electrolytes in it Uh, in general there's not much difference between tap water and the bottled water Uh, there are some different flavor profiles for some of the flavor fanatics out there Mm -hmm. Uh, but other than that uh, california has some exceedingly good uh, tap water and and it's as good as most of the bottled water you're going to be getting that's interesting because you hear so much hype about, you know, how much, you know, the Perrier's and the um, all the different, you know, designer waters that have minerals in them are supposed to be so much better for you. It's marketing. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. This is why we have you on the show. <laughs> what else do we need to know about um, our kids and gastrointestinal conditions in general? Well, I would say just in, in general, um, ask your kids if they're having any problems. See if if the, everything they have any problems when they're eating. Do they have any things like pain? And every once in a while, ask them: Are you, are you stooling well or eliminating well? Is everything going fine? Um, do do they have any concerns? The problem is, is sometimes I don't think the children know to, that something may be abnormal, and it's difficult as they get older, especially in the teenage years where they don't maybe not share so much. Yeah, uh, but every once not. in a while, discussion. Yeah. <laughs> Every once in a while, discussion is is very important. I think that's the key thing is is trying to have an open communication with your children. Okay, that's a tough one, but I'm sure there's a way to say it and ask it and get an, a correct answer. Easier said than done, absolutely, <laughs> but still important. All right, thank you so much, Dr. Steinmetz. Do you have any um, information as to where people can go to get further information on these conditions? Sure. If they have any uh, any concerns, they can actually uh, log on to the website Miller Children's. Uh, so it's M I L L E R Children's dot org slash G I, and then that will allow them to look at some uh, common uh, pediatric G I diagnoses, and it will allow them to know uh, where our offices are and our satellite offices are, uh, and how to get an appointment. It's a beautiful thing. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful to have you on the show today, Dr. Steinmetz. My pleasure. Have a good morning. And to listen to the podcast or for more information, please visit memorialcare.org. That's memorialcare.org. I'm Deborah Howell. Join us again next time as we explore another weekly dose of wellness brought to you by Memorial Care Health System. Keep those lines open with your kids and have a fantastic day.